in the high desert in the great American Southwest. Welcome to Coast to Coast AM. John, welcome to the program. Good to have you with us. You're with us. You're with us. You're with us. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. This is a podcast where two brothers analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Friedrich Ingalls to your Karl Marx, except we haven't written a manifesto that's changed the course of the world. That is very true. We have not, but we are doing a podcast, and that's, that's right. almost as good. That's right. So maybe for whatever reason, uh, conspiracies really take off, and uh, it's all because of us. We inspire a crank uh, to, uh, you know, I'm not going to go there. No, but <laughs> and gonna, we're done. Gonna, we're done with that. <laughs> all right, and let's get to Tim time. <laughs> so today, Chris, before Tim yes. time, we do have a show that we'll be doing. A Spooktober show. A Spooktober special. If you are new to the show, we are doing all spooky for all October. And this one is going to get a little extra spooky. Going exorcisms. Oh, yeah, dude. So like exorcism of Emily Rose. This is exorcist. This is a very special one. This is Father Malachi Martin, which I've been teasing for a long time. Yeah, we I think we may have mentioned Father Malachi. Uh, all the way back in the first episode. I think we probably did. He is a very, very big deal in the Art Bell world. Uh, this is going to be his first interview on October 18th, 1996 with Art. And if you are unfamiliar with Father Malachi Martin, he was a priest who did a ton of exorcisms. He was allegedly the Catholic priest that inspired the 1973 hit horror movie, The Exorcist. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Now, that is a claim made by his fans. I'm not certain if it's true or not. Okay. But he doesn't make that claim. He does not make that claim. Interesting. It had to be kind of based off of somebody, I imagine. There was an actual exorcism case that it was based off that Father Malachi Martin was not involved in. So I'm not entirely certain where that claim comes from, but it's all over the internet. And the other kind of spooky thing, Chris, is that this week is actually the 26th anniversary of this interview. That is spooky, dude. Nice. So it is going to be great. We're going to get into exorcisms, callers who are possessed by demons, uh, the fact that the Vatican is full of Satanists, ton of great stuff, ton of great stuff. Oh, I can't wait. I can absolutely not wait. But before that, as always, we got to get to Tim. We got to go check out the Coast to Coast AM blog with our favorite blogger, Tim Banal. So today's article, Chris, pop star Lizzo experiences the paranormal at an Irish castle. Wait, Paul, I, I, I can't believe this. This is by somebody that isn't Tim Banal. I didn't even catch that. This is by Ryan Stacy. Ryan Stacy, you're not even giving us Tim Banal. Oh, my goodness. I've never seen anything by anyone else. This, this is throwing me off. Should, this is I, a first. This is this is a coast to coast PM first, everyone. I I'm a little upset. I I wouldn't have picked this if I knew it was Ryan. I'll be honest, but we're we're stuck with it now. We're going. 
we're going. So Let's Chris, see what Ryan gives us here's here's Ryan's article. A reported hotspot for ghostly activity, Malahide Castle near Dublin, Ireland, is known as the home of a number of paranormal entities, including one especially mischievous spirit named Puck, which great name for a spirit. The Grammy-winning singer Lizzo says Puck was behind a prank directed at her a few years ago while she was in the country on tour. After knocking on Puck's door while visiting the castle, the star realized her phone, which she kept in her pocket, was suddenly missing. Her team searched the castle for the phone, Lizzo went on, but it was eventually found outside in the pocket of one of the dancers on the tour. Oh, dude, that dancer definitely jacked Lizzo's phone. <laughs> you think the dancer stole it? The dancer definitely stole that phone. Uh, it's, yeah, it was it was Puck the ghost. It was the ghost. It was Puck the ghost, I swear. I didn't touch Lizzo's cell phone. All right, keep going. All right, so talk of haunted encounters at Malahide go back much further than this account, however. Puck's ghost, for example, is believed to have appeared to the castle's residents for generations past as well. Other otherworldly... Don't... Terrible, terrible. Right? Yeah, I that's, missed him. that's not good. Other otherworldly house guests include the spirit of Sir Walter Hussey, a newlywed suspected of being murdered on the orders of his bride. That's Whoa! Spooky. That's spooky. Legend also has it that a woman in white depicted in a painting hanging in the castle sometimes comes to life to roam the property. Also My terrifying. goodness. There's a lot of ghosts on this property. What is going on here? Dude, I mean, Ireland, is. I think, is just full of ghosts. As I was saying that to myself, I was like, man, if anywhere has a closer connection to the underworld, it's got to be Ireland. It has to be. All right. So he then starts a sentence with and. And Michael Miles Corbett, who lived at Malahide in the mid 1600s, was eventually convicted of high treason, hanged and drawn and quartered. That wow. didn't stop his ghost, though, from being cited from time to time, often split into four pieces in which he was split by his executioners. Nope. Nope. If I'm seeing a ghost split in four, I'm out. Dude, I'm so out so quick. It's unbelievable. That's terrifying. It's probably the dude. scariest way to see a ghost. Yeah, I, I want Tim from now on, dude. Don't give me the second rate bloggers. Dude, his syntax is so bad. That was actually a that little difficult to read. That was that wasn't good. So low quality. All right. Come on, Coast to Coast AM blog. Step it up a little bit. Only allow Tim Benalba right, please. Uh, we are team Tim over here. Well, Chris, that was not the tim corner that was ryan's corner yeah right yeah, yeah ryan's lean to ryan's the van by the river there you go that's the one ryan's van by the river all, all right. right we have some housekeeping we do have some housekeeping to get to so chris number one we have a new email address we 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 made an email address finally. After 22 episodes, we decided that people should be able to contact us. Wow. Uh, yeah, took smart. that long. Took that so long. Smart. <laughs> We're pretty good. We're pretty good at marketing. We're great. This is all organic. So tell your friends about the show because we don't do any work to, to promote this, <laughs> clearly. So if you have any thoughts or episode requests, please send them to c2cpmpod at gmail.com. That's using the letter two and not T-O. So C2CPMPod. Okay. C2CPMPod 
at gmail.com at gmail.com and we'll drop cool. that in the show notes as well uh we yeah. have gotten some requests on reddit that we have you so like we will actually take your requests if there's certain episodes that you really want to hear us talk and, about and, and the father malachi martin is a big request that we've gotten from reddit so many people have asked for this so i'm excited to bring this to y'all um chris other things in terms of housekeeping we are talking about potentially uh, getting advertisements or starting a Patreon to help pay some of these podcasting bills. So yes. if you do have thoughts on that as well, would love for you to reach out. Would you prefer ads? Would you prefer a Patreon? We know we got a lot of listeners and we want to hear from you on what you like. Yeah, please reach out to us somehow. We're pretty active on Reddit. So if you are a Redditor, uh, that's probably a pretty good place to reach out to us. Um, this email, like I said, that'll be in the show notes going on from here on out so take a look for that mm -hmm. and um i don't know i think is that all our housekeeping i think that's it if you write to us we will respond I we will that. respond absolutely so uh please do please do and i think that's it so let's jump in to our episode but first chris we got to do a quick bio of father malachi martin so we know who yeah. we're hearing from but make it super spooky super spooky Father Malachi Martin was born on July 23rd, 1921, Chris. Wow. That, so 21, that's a spooky year, dude. Uh, it's also really old. He's mm -hmm. a very old man. And he was uh, one of five sons and five daughters to Catherine and Connor Martin. Four of their five sons became priests, shockingly Holy enough. cow. Yeah. Wow. So very priestly family. Yeah, quite religious family. So Martin goes into the priesthood and he does his first exorcism while doing research on Dead Sea Scrolls in the early 1950s. So he was originally a priestly academic uh, and then so, turned into an exorcist. And, and he was already kind of into the esoteric if he's doing research into the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's like hyper Gnostic, which yeah. is like pushing the boundaries for the Catholic Church at this time. Yeah, he he was known for pushing boundaries. So in nineteen, well, obviously he was a huge exorcist. That's yeah. pushing a boundary or two in the Catholic Church, especially during this period. Right, they're really trying to get away from this stuff. Yeah, and he was going on air in nineteen ninety six talking about exorcisms over and over again. This was definitely pissing the Catholic Church off. Yeah, I was going to say JP two. That's John Paul the second, who was a pope during the eighties and nineties. In 1958, he was the private secretary to Cardinal Augustine Bowe, and this put him in the Vatican for six years and in direct contact with Pope John the 23rd. So he was he was pretty high up in the church. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And in 1964, right, Father Martin asked to be released from his vows after becoming fed up with uh, what he called the corruption within the church. And he was granted a wow. dispensation from his vows of poverty and obedience, but not chastity. He still couldn't get laid, sadly. Dang, dude. That's like the only one I'd want you to give up. That's the one you, you want back. That's the only one I look. I'll keep the poverty, dude. But like, I'm trying to get laid a little bit. It's been years, dude. Decades for this man. Maybe never. It, I, it may have been never. It, it may have been never. Yeah. So he was given that dispensation, but was given a separate dispensation to allow him to remain a priest by the Pope. That is according to him. I cannot validate that in any other way. The Vatican doesn't really keep public files, but he says that yeah. he was allowed to continue being a, a priest. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. So this dude really did have some power within the Catholic Church. He apparently did. And he eventually moved to New York City and then started pursuing a career as an author and then also continued his priestly exorcist duties. So he wrote about 17 books. Uh, many considered him prolific because he wrote the the all those books in like 20 years, pretty much. Wow. Mm -hmm. So that is Father Malachi Martin's backgrounds. Okay, so let's jump cool. into the Art Bell interview from 1996. Now, Chris, the first thing that you need to know about Father Martin, he's done a lot of exorcisms. How many exorcisms have you done? I've done thousands of minor exorcisms and about a couple of hundred major ones. Major ones uh, in duration and in intensity uh, are difficult, very difficult, and they're they are far fewer than the thousands of exorcisms you do every year. Uh, exorcisms against various ailments like uh, uh, um, uh, for instance a persecution a complex mm -hmm. or alcoholism. So this guy's done thousands of exorcisms. He can exercise alcoholism and persecution complexes apparently? Yes. The answer would be yes. That's incredible. So he's kind of he's kind of looking at this like Old Testament wise where it's like all demons. Yeah, he's like all sickness yeah. is demons, right? And they can be you can get your sickness removed. Pretty much. That's how he approaches it. That's fascinating. So if that's you such have an awesome way, that's such an awesome way to look at it, though. Well, you know, it's a way to look at it. I don't necessarily know if, if uh, exorcism is going to cure alcoholism, though, or like drugs. I love it. I love the idea. I all love right. the idea. So, all right. I'm already very pro Father Martin. Already there. Well, I'm started... already there. Just one clip in. So he started this career in Cairo, right? So he was originally there. In Cairo? In Cairo. That's the creepiest place to be a Catholic priest. Probably the best place to be an exorcist, though, because that Absolutely sounds awesome. a million percent, dude. You know he was casting out mummy demons, dude. <laughs> Brendan so, Fraser was there. So many mummy demons, dude. He was just, like, casting them out left and right. I can't wait to hear the difference between a major exorcism and a minor exorcism. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, But starting with his career, right? We're in Cairo. What's happening okay. with you, buddy? Now, I first of all came across it in Cairo. That was the first time that I assisted at an exorcism. Cairo, Egypt. Cairo, Egypt. I was there. I originally started off as an archaeologist. Yes, sir. And, uh, I, I was, but I was roped in one evening because an exorcism which was taking place in the poorer quarter of Cairo, the assistant had fallen ill, and I was asked to substitute. And that was my first experience. Now, apparently, this is a relatively common thing. So whenever there is an exorcism, you have the main priest who's much more experienced, and then you always have an assistant. So you have their second. Right. And very yeah. often, the assistant will get ill because according to Father Malachi Martin, the exorcisms are so intense. Uh, it will like it will physically impair you in some way. Like you'll get yeah. really sick uh, and you won't be able to work and they'll have to pull someone else in. It's that old style of of healing where you actually have to subsume the corruption, right? The corruption has to go somewhere and you take it on as the healer. A bit like the Green Mile. Oh, the Green Mile did it. Yeah. 4400 did it. So uh, it's it's not, it's been done many times. I forgot about 4400. Yeah, dude, yeah. Sean. 
Yeah, yeah, Sean did do that. So from here, Father Malachi Martin then goes into how the church decides on who to exercise, which I think is a pretty interesting, you know, question, right? Because they don't want to do it all the time because it look crazy. Right. Yeah. How does it decide? It decides this way. All right. So somebody comes to the church authorities and saying, look, uh, my uncle, my brother, they are showing very funny signs. So the first thing you do is examine them, uh, get them examined by a doctor and find out, are they physically sound? Certainly. So you must first of all satisfy yourself that there's nothing physical, no physical basis. Then uh, one or two expert psychiatrists, usually people who don't believe in God, by the way, mm-hmm. because they're, they're skeptical, must, uh, must tackle you and find out, um, are you just plain loony or is there something they don't understand? And sure. They come back with a report saying, well, the pattern is normal, we can't explain it. Then the church authorities generally say, okay, let's try exorcism. Believe you me, in the first 20 minutes, everybody at an exorcism knows whether it's genuine or not. Wow, in the first 20 minutes, he says. First 20 minutes, it's going to become abundantly obvious if this person's actually possessed because the impact on the room is that great. That's pretty impressive that they went through that many steps before they would do an exorcism. That's actually kind of shocking. You know, it is good to know, though, that they are engaging psychiatrists. Right. Well, psychiatry, but also uh, physical health. Right. Yep. So, I mean, you know, it could I I'm sure it could be any number of things. What if you have like a parasite? And he mentions at one point like a brain tumor, right? Like a brain yeah. tumor can cause a lot of um, similar symptoms to an exorcism or, or, right. or to a possession. And the other thing he talks about is how he always tries to get atheist psychiatrists because uh, that was an interesting mention by him. Yeah. And it's it's like a big thing with him that he brings up a lot. He's like, I want to make sure these psychiatrists don't believe in the devil and that they they run out of like recourse. Right. There's like there's yeah. no way we can actually explain what's going on with this person. Fascinating. And it's interesting that at times the psychiatrist will say we don't know what's going on. Mm hmm. That's kind of interesting as well. But okay, I want to hear some more. I want to hear some more. All right. So one of the big things, Chris, is that apparently psychiatrists are always just like screwing up these diagnoses and Mm. these people are actually possessed. So like you were saying, Father Malachi Martin thinks a lot of things are demons. Mm. Apparent malady as uh, as their own territory. Uh, So how many never made it to you because they were incorrectly diagnosed? A very great number especially when we come down to a thing called MPDs. It's, a, it's an abbreviation used by psychiatrists for multiple personality disorders. For a long time, MPDs were simply analyzed as MPDs. And then, under certain circumstances, they began to find out that it was much more than that. Uh, it was a case of demonic possession. You, you can make a dreadful mistake and think a true MPD is possessed, or vice versa, that a person really possessed is an MPD. That's pretty fascinating. Got to be careful with those MPDs, man. Yeah, that's interesting that he's even picked the malady. Yeah, yeah. I I wonder what else is it about MPDs that he's saying are definitely demonic, demonically possessed? Well, he thinks a lot of things are, are demons. Um, I think MPDs at the time, especially in the 80s, it was a very popular diagnosis because there were a lot of movies right. made about it. It has a, it's mostly been debunked 
in, in previous years because of the fact that it, it was basically seen that the people who were being diagnosed with with multiple personality disorder, it was a lot of the psychiatrists feeding them the diagnosis and feeding these personalities. Right, and they're like, right. they come out with like 35 personalities by the time they're done working right. with psychiatrists. And it's like, okay, right. this is actually getting a little ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of it is just the patient feeding into what the, the psychiatrist wanted at the time. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. But back in 1996, I don't think that research was actually done. And to be fair, very demonic. That's a very demonic thing to do. I guess, yeah, if you're just feeding back with their... But it also could be like there's nothing actually wrong with the person is the thing. Yeah. I'm so, going I'm going pro-demon on this one right now, dude. You're thinking it's all demons? I'm thinking right now. Father Martin has something here. Well, what I mean, Chris, we both know, though, that one thing that Art Bell loves talking about is the antichrist yes so he's got to ask the exorcist priest what's up with the antichrist man what's happening now or is there going to be an antichrist there is going to be an antichrist and i think the best thing we can do is talk about his public appearance all right because he may already be in existence but there, there he will be manifest publicly within a reasonable amount of time how will we know him we will know him by two main qualities. First of all, he will arrive at a time when we as a race have what looks like insuperable problems. Supposing we find we have insuperable uh, uh, health problems, a disease, yes, wasting, wasting nation after nation. That's the first thing. He will have solutions for those problems. He will have wise solutions solutions that are real solutions and number two his the result of his interfe- of his intervention and his the the results of his of his solutions will be such that people will say you must be god and he will accept that so i think anthony fauci is the antichrist is that what we're getting uh, yeah <laughs> it, well you know coronavirus was almost there i don't think it was deadly enough so i don't think we've seen this person yet not quite enough with the coronavirus i do like the answer though it's a very good answer he's got good answers man he's good at this he's good It's it's a very good answer so still waiting on that antichrist uh father malachi martin did say that the people listening to the call if you were in your 30s or 40s that the antichrist would come in your lifetime so really i and i mean this was in 1996 so i mean he should be around so keep your eyes peeled Uh, well that means we have a major affliction coming our way so that's not that doesn't feel great yeah it's the uh coronavirus uh 2.0 is coming yeah right well yeah whatever the coronavirus weakened us for well, and speaking of a pandemic, Chris, uh, there's also a pandemic of people selling their souls to the devil, apparently. Big Is there problem. a lot of people doing that these days? A ton of people, way more than you would think, apparently. Let's hear it. Uh, since 1975, we've had a huge increase in the following type of possession. A young man, say 30-something, 40-something, a young woman, will come and say, look, when I was in college, when I was studying, when I took up uh, residence as a doctor, a lawyer, whatever it was, I made a pact with the devil. I needed money. Uh, I needed a position. And I, I asked him 
to help me, and he did, but he took over my will and my mind. Now I want to get rid of it. How do I get rid of it? Well, We have an increase in that phenomenon, which I never thought we had. Some of them don't even believe in God. Some of them are Jewish, some of them are Buddhist, some of them are Christian. Some of them are Protestants or Catholics. It, it, the, 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 there's, no, there's no profile of the possessable person. Once you have issued such an invitation, is there any way to go back? If it has been taken up, then yes. your only recourse is exorcism. So, Paul, hear me out on this. I'm trying to figure out, like, the economics of selling your soul, right? Yeah. Do you think that selling your soul and, like, the stock market and our our, our real-world economy probably are correlated, right? The worse the economy is, the more you the more people are selling their soul, right? Oh, so, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So that wouldn't think I would think that would mean that you have a supply and demand issue here. So when everyone's selling their soul, it's worth a whole lot less. You know, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, you know, and then things are growing great, right? Economy's booming. People are making money. They're like the 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 number of people selling their souls plummets, and so the devil starts getting anxious, dude. He's like he's handing you the farm, dude, to, for that soul. So just think about that, everyone. If you're trying to sell your soul, look at the wider economy because you may want to hold on to that soul for a little bit longer because you could really get some nice rewards later. Yeah, this is an excellent point. I think it goes back to just classic stock market trading, right? When right. everyone else is scared, get greedy. That's um, right. And and I think that, you know, you, you really can't just go and say, like, I'm going to sell my soul when everyone else is, right? You, you yeah. got to wait. You got to wait it out. Sell at the top. Sell at the top of the market. That's, that's right. It's your soul. Get a bang for your buck. That's right. That is exactly right. So anyways, there's uh, Selling Your Soul 101 with uh, Chris and Paul. There you go. That's what we're here for. Well, along with all these people selling their souls, naturally, is a giant increase in exorcism. So apparently if you sell your soul, you can still get exercised, which great troll for beating the devil. Sell your soul, make a lot of money, and then get a good priest to exercise the demon out of you. That, that could be a good play. That's, you a, know? <laughs> that's an interesting play. Do you think the devil takes it as, as like a renegotiation? Do you think he comes back and he's like, all right, all right. So you got around the whole soul thing by a priest. Okay. Let's talk, let's talk turkey here. Let's talk numbers. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. You know, what, you, you what's may. it going to take? For you to get into hell. How many times do you think you can sell your soul and then get exercised before the, the devil stops making deals with you? He, he has to catch on by like the second time, right? <laughs> two or three, Max. Two, you get two. If you're really slick, three, like you got like a soul that the devil really wants. You might be, you may have to like play a game or do like a fiddle contest that third time. But so. You know <laughs> yeah, make sure to ask for something good because you only got one or two goes. Yeah. All right, so big increase in exorcism, Chris, but then like we had mentioned, uh, Malachi Martin also thinks that a lot of things are demon possessions, which I think may be um, you know, resulting in such a big number of possessions. in his. It's about since 1975 when I really started in earnest exorcisms in the United States, it's about, uh, it's about 800% increase. In frequency, oh in my. frequency, and uh, it's it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. 
Doctor, I wonder how many people in mental institutions all across this country, instead of being mentally ill, may be possessed? I've only gone through, with a psychiatrist, I've only gone through two mental institutions. Let's call them that. Yes, sir. And over 50% are obviously possessed. So up 800% in 1996 in terms of the total number of possessions, and half of the people in a mental institution are actually possessed by demons. Paul, what the, he gives a very interesting date to when the numbers start exploding. 1975. What is happening in 1975? The birth of neoliberalism and globalism. And so I'm wondering if there isn't, dude, this is Moloch, dude. These are the, the like fingers and tentacles of Moloch taking over. So it's funny that you say that because I haven't mentioned this yet, Chris, but uh, Malachi Martin also believed in the New World Order. Yes, yes, so yes, yes. That actually makes perfect sense that he picks that date as when the new world order started taking over 1975 dude that is literally like a birth year of neoliberalism yeah so it's it's probably the nwo bringing a bunch of demons into our lives oh my gosh yeah so he was speaking to the nwo freemasons as well uh freemasons having taken over the vatican he made multiple claims that uh quite a few popes were secretly freemasons things like that it's not good enough that they like suck our souls over time, but they also send their agents to steal our souls. Literally steal our souls through all these demons. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. I have to know more. All right. So next up, we get into what he refers to as generational possession, Chris. Okay. A generational possession? Passed down. Generation Passing to generation down demons? For hundreds of years. Whoa. Play it. Let me explain that. It's not that, uh, that uh, possession is passed on with semen, passed on with genes. No, no, no. It's that the same demon inhabits the members of the same family for generations. The children are trained in it. And they perpetuated in their children has gone on for generations. It's generational. Uh, uh, we have cases in hand, for instance, of daughters uh, to whom their mother attached her familiar, her evil spirit. And then we have the job of ridding them of that. And it takes time. And it's painful and anguishing. Isn't that surprising? I mean, yeah, a demon, I would imagine would be able to attach themselves to anything, right? They could attach themselves to a location, to a family, to, you know, a region or whatever, right? I don't. It, it doesn't matter what it is. So it's not surprising that they would, like, go after a whole family. Well, what he's specifically referring to here, though, with generational possession is intentional generational possession. It's being passed down by satanic parents to their children. Oh, yeah. So he, he he gets into it a bit more here. I think this will give you some extra context on that. OK, let's see. What's the right word? What word am I looking for in, in a generational case of uh, possession? Uh, is the does the parent actively um, actively teach this child oh, yes. in, in the oh, dark? Why is it? Oh, oh, oh yes. Yes. 
They, they assign the child to their demon. They, they're satisfied with that. The demon becomes what they call a familiar of theirs, and they give it a name. They call it Philip, they call it George, they call it John, they call it James, they call it Mary, whatever. And they assign the child to it, they teach the child to do obeisance to it. And they make the child participate in ceremonies, say Satanist ceremonies. Wow. A lot of very impressive generational cases uh, are found or have been found, not all, but a lot of such cases have been found amongst old American families. The old um, the traditional... Yeah, 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 yeah. The old originally family. came over on the Mayflower kind that's of American families? That's that sort of business, yes. That's sort of business. This is all tracking, dude. <laughs> Big time. Big time. <laughs> so here's the thing about this claim is that it, it's very close to a lot of the satanic ritual abuse claims from the 1980s, right? Where right. we had all these Satanists who were like murdering children, stuff like that. Uh, so my guess is that around 1996, this was probably his inspiration for a lot of that bit. Dude, I, I love this idea that like the elite families all have like family demons that they worship dude i'm so into this idea that's so good well and here's the thing though is that you know, i mean the all they all worship moloch right but they would have house demons uh, yeah apparently Family they have demons. demons as pets that they give right. names to well i probably i would doubt that one i i want I really want to know some more about that world of demon generation, you know, handing off demons to children and stuff. But I can totally see them like, you know, it would be like a house god back in the day. Right. And like the Roman times or the Greek times, you would have like a town god and like a an ancestor god. Like, yeah, dude, these people definitely have demons that they worship. I would love to see a single example of that ever happening. I can't wait to find it. In the United States. I can't. I cannot wait to find it. Because apparently this was, according to Malachi Martin, all over the place. All over the place, dude. I don't doubt it, man. Oh, all over the place. I have a <laughs> I, couple doubts here. I, I don't have any doubts. I'm loving this. Keep going. All right. So we've talked a lot about, like, you know, kind of... Uh, what what exorcisms generally are but what do they look like chris what is it like being in the room what does it smell like what does it feel like man yeah that's yeah. what we're missing right that's now. what i want to know if you want to understand what an exorcism is like and what's really the essence uh, the difficulty the, the the horror of it is this uh you must imagine say uh, a common scene it's a room it's always within a room, within a house. It's in a room. There's nothing on the walls, no nails, no pictures, nothing that can move. You have a, an exorcist with an assistant, and he has an assistant there. The assistant is a priest. They have to have a candle, and they have to have holy water, and they have to have the priest's uh, a prayer book, etc. Mm -hmm. Then you're into it, and you can't withdraw. You can't simply say, okay, boys, let's break up and see each other next Monday. You can't do that. Once you start it, you've got to finish it. Or else what? Uh, why? Or else you are pursued by that demon. Now, the temperature of the room may change. There may be a horrible smell. There may not be a horrible smell. All those are incidental things. If it's really an exorcism, mm -hmm. and if we are in the presence of a possessing spirit or a threatening spirit, demon, Everybody in the room, the priest and his assistant and the assistants, they know, and I, 
I can only call on some some experiences of people listening to me and you yourself, Art. You know there's something in the room that wants you dead, but dead, dead, dead. It's like a an invisible animal with claws, and it wants you dead. It really wants your life's blood. It wants you extinguished. Dude, that sounds super intense. Yeah, it sounds terrifying. It sounds super duper intense. Yeah, and he, he also talks about how they, they have to prep the room because things will actually go flying across the room. So, like, they have to bar or gate the windows because the windows will smash. Like, you remove everything off the walls. If there's anything on hooks, it's all taken down and removed from the room. And it's literally just the bed and the priests. Dude, and that's it. What? Let's put our skeptic hats on for a minute. Mm-hmm. What the heck is happening there? Uh, skeptic hat, none of those things actually happened. None of those things actually happened. I would say if someone thinks they're possessed or having a mental health crisis and are thrashing about, then yeah, they're probably knocking some picture frames off the wall. I mean, right. I've knocked picture frames off the wall by running too fast up the stairs, right? Right. Um, so that would be my guess on that. But I, I would need a little bit of evidence that during an exorcism, a window smashes itself. You know what yeah, I mean? That's crazy. I yeah. mean, that's just craziness. Yeah, outside of the movies, I have a hard time seeing that happen. Right. Now, according to Malachi Martin, though, I'm very wrong, and people have actually been killed at exorcisms. Holy cow. Has it happened, Doctor? Has uh, an assistant or an exorcist or anybody present at an exorcism ever been killed? Well, no, but they have died of heart attack. Exactly. Except in one case, I wasn't present at it. There was a case in America where the person was flung out a window and defenestrated and killed eight stories down. Well, out a window or a heart attack, it's dead. Has anyone died? No, but they had a heart attack, and one guy got thrown out a window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes. yes. So, yes, people have died. Yeah, so apparently it can be dead. But, again, some of that can be the craziness, right, especially throwing yourself out the window, mm-hmm. like we were saying. And then the heart attack, again, is not surprising if you are, like, thrashing about and going wild. You you could be very well having an episode, right? But a heart attack is not surprising in that kind of case, especially if it gets as wild as, as Father Martin's saying it does. Well, and, and it also applies to the people who are doing the exorcism, right? Because um, people who have been who have done the exorcisms have like had a heart attack or something like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a very intense situation. These are probably older men who are doing it, right? So something like that, and you know, very probably well alcoholics. Yeah, yeah, they they all are probably alcoholics, man. I yeah. mean, why else would you want to be the exorcist? Sounds like a terrible job, dude. An Irish priest in the seventies? Are you kidding me? That man is an alcoholic. <laughs> that man has problems. Yeah, that man has psoriasis. So that's a bit what it looks like when an exorcism is going down. But then Art has a pretty pretty serious question, man. What happens if the exorcism fails, right? What does Ooh, work? That is a good question. Doctor, we hear of successes at the end. The story usually ends well. Are there failures? Are there times? There when- are failures where it's total failure. And that is calamitous because then that means the person goes ahead possessed. It means that the exorcist has has sacrificed something for nothing. Because let me explain something to your art, which is very hard to explain, <clears throat> but there are parallels, analogies in life that helps. When you do exorcism, you give something, which you can't get back. It's like, for instance, any parent who has reared children, 
will tell you, oh, I gave them so much love. Similarly with an exorcism, uh, the, the, the exorcist gives, uh, a little part of him dies, put it like that, and goes away and waits for him in heaven. Oh my God, that's kind of dark. Yeah, that is probably one of my favorite parts of this interview is that every time you do an exorcism, a part of you dies. Yeah, that's dark, dude. But again, that's kind of like we were talking about. If you're healing, like you have to take on the corruption, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just disappear matter. Yeah, well, and it's also probably why they're all drunks because they keep having parts of their soul ripped out. Yeah. But the good news is when you get to heaven, you get it back. Yeah, you get re- you get to reclaim it in heaven. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. And surely most exorcists go to heaven. I mean, you got to be kind of a real asshole. <laughs> you have to really have messed up. I mean, yeah. and, uh, Constantine wasn't going to heaven, man. He was going to hell. Yeah, there's some things around there. There's some things around there that I think we could discuss. It isn't appropriate for this venue. All right. Too too much to get into. Well, next up, Chris, is Malachi Martin's worst exorcism, the most traumatic one that he's ever been a part of. Yes, dude. Case study time. Um, What has been your toughest, your hardest exorcism uh, as you look back? It was in the Bronx in 1983 and it was a young priest a young priest who was possessed and it was long drawn out it was bloody and disgusting and took a heavy toll on everybody involved he yielded piece by piece by piece uh, because it's never subtle and he yielded to temptation it wasn't sexual temptation either but it was a very distressing thing and involved a lot of people, involved his whole family, involved his whole parish, involved the local bishop, wow. uh, and it was very distressing. And he he, he uh, emerged from it, but he succumbed after a short time. He, he died. He died. He, he, was, he was cured. He was, he was saved. But he died. How did you come out of it? I came out of it with a little bit of me dead. <laughs> quite frankly <laughs> something I can't get back until eternity when God rewards me I hope but something in me died so okay. it, was a, it was a fellow priest and apparently the the guy was young and had like straight up red hair and by the time the exorcism was done uh, his hair had gone completely white that's kind of creepy that's spooky that's kind of creepy dude yeah. how about getting the whole parish involved that's kind of crazy. I want to know really, a little bit yeah. more about what that was like. I wish he, he had expanded on that because that sounded like a wild story. And wild like, story. It was it was terrifying and bloody. I'm like, why was there blood? Well, yeah, what was the blood about? <laughs> what was the blood part, man? You, you just kind of glossed over the blood. You can't just drop that bit of information and then not expand. It was incredibly bloody. There were buckets of blood. <laughs> <laughs> buckets why were they why was the blood a bucket <laughs> there's no reason for that <laughs> uh all right so next up while all this is going on arts fax machine going off man going off and he gets uh, a fax from a uh, allegedly possessed listener that he reads on air i made a pact with anyone that could get my girlfriend to come back the response was by Satan. At that point, my eyes literally rolled back, and I heard only two words, one year. One year later, she broke up with me for no good reason. Several months later, 
I was asleep, had a dream that I was looking at myself in a mirror brushing my hair. When I looked at my eyes in the mirror, they turned totally black. The person was me, but the soul behind the eyes, evil. At that point, I knew exactly who it was, what I wanted, and how it got there. At this point, I was awake, tried to get up and turn on the lights, but was physically pushed back down to a prone position and could no longer move even a finger to make matters worse. The bedroom door slammed shut, and I was cut off from the light in the hallway. What happened to this person? This person accepted possession and was possessed and infested. And the demonic power took over. Did he say infested? Infested, man. That's gross. I don't like that term, dude, for it. Dude, good word, though. Yeah. You are infested You're with infested. a demon. That's that's horrifying. The, the the spookiest part of that to me was Malachi's voice. Like he gets so serious and so somber whenever yeah. someone's asking about possession. He's like, "You're infested." Yeah, and then he keeps <laughs> saying, "You must you must find a good priest. You must yeah. find a good priest." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god, dude, getting selling your soul to Satan to get a girlfriend back, dude, is kind of lame sauce, man." I believe the kids would call that a simp. Like yeah, it's that's... pretty. That's simp nature, dude, for sure. It's real beta, beta lifestyle right there, man. Well, I mean, to be fair, this was before Tinder and Bumble. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was harder to get a girlfriend, I think. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> I was going to say, a dude in the 90s listening to Coast to Coast AM on a regular basis, so much so that he sends in a fax to Arpel, <laughs> probably didn't have a lot of opportunities when it came to ladies, now that you mention it. So, this, uh, yeah, this show may have been the reason, actually, why he didn't get any ladies. It didn't help. <laughs> didn't help. It wasn't helping. Does not help. So we, we have another one, uh, another person that, that is possessed because they played with something like a Ouija board is what they say. About five years ago, I had a, uh, in a weak moment, yes. I had a suicide attempt. Yes. Uh, it seemed like there were forces in the house that uh -huh. saved me. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh -huh. um, Where are you, sir? I'm in uh, Vancouver, Vancouver, Canada. Canada. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. Now, about six months before that, we were doing a bunch of uh, not Ouija, but the same sort of thing in yes. the house. Yes. And it seemed as though there were forces. Yes. And it seemed as though I was saved. I've had nothing but bad luck since this time. Can you tell me? Uh, well, if you have dabbled in the Ouija board, seriously, and if you've dabbled in any, it's occult, there's no doubt about that, you're dealing with occult forces, then you may have some attachments to you that you don't like, spiritual attachments in your spirit, and you want to get rid of them. Yes. And you want to get a good priest who can... Uh, Get rid of them for you. Careful with those Ouija boards, man. Dude, and this is exactly what I'm talking about, man. I don't know if I believe there's a doorway, but I ain't putting a key in it. I ain't That's turning the lock. You ain't, I ain't opening any of these doors, dude. They may not exist, but I ain't going to find out. You got to be careful with the Ouija. That's the rule number one on Coast to Coast AM, Ben.
Anyways, so all, all that to say, dude, like, don't open up the door. Don't don't put a, a, a key in the lock. Like, stay away from some of this stuff, y'all, because, like, if the dark energy exists, this is a talisman. I want to know what he was doing because he said it wasn't Ouija, but it was like Ouija. It what is it, like Ouija? It did, I bet it's some kind of French Canadian thing or something. You know what I mean? What were they doing all the way up there? It's so far north, dude. Very dark all the time, you know? Yeah, I guess he was like throwing chicken bones or something. Like, just whatever. What was it? I want to what, know. Whatever it was, don't do it, y'all. Opening up bad things. Bad things. Well, we got one more caller, Chris. Okay. And this guy has a pretty simple question. Uh, should I try to cast the demons out of my buddy? Uh, I have a question for you. I used yeah. to be involved in um, magic before I was a Christian. Uh-huh. And selling demons and all that kind of strange stuff. Yes. The question I have for you, though, is now there's a person up here who is infested with them. Who is in touch with what? Demons. I mean, uh. you can... You can actually see it because some of the stuff he does. Yes. And I was just wondering, as a Christian, should I even attempt to cast them out or just leave them alone? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, it it yes. is. Unless you have special authority, don't touch it with a bot. Don't touch it. Keep away from it. Protect yourself. Don't don't attempt to deal with it. Is, it, that, is that clear enough for you, caller? Yeah, that's fine. It's Thank stronger you. than you. It's more intelligent than you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right yeah that's probably right, right. <laughs> yeah should i try to should i try to exercise him no oh, all right, uh, no, uh, no. that, that it kind of did remind me of south park a little bit look i used to do a lot of magic when i before i was a christian <laughs> like this guy Wait, is so lame yeah. dude who is this person uh, i used to you know summon a lot of demons and then i became a christian yeah my buddy can actually see the demons because of the things he does <laughs> what does he do what are these things? What is going on with this caller? No one expands on the things you want them to expand on on this damn show. No. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, should I cast the demons out of him? Father Malachi's like, dude, no. You, you definitely shouldn't. You specifically. You will be eaten by a demon. Very, very likely. Uh, I also would not want that guy exercising me, to be totally honest. You no. sound like a pretty shitty person. So, no. Chris, to, to wrap up Father Malachi Martin, there's a couple more episodes that we can cover, but I want to make sure that you have an idea of how things ended for him. Okay. So this was in 1996. He was on our show a couple more times, but he died tragically in 1999 at the age of 78. Okay. In the documentary Hostage to the Devil, Martin's friend and former CIA agent says that Martin was killed by a demon. Former CIA agent? Yeah, there's a question of whether or not Malachi worked for the CIA. We aren't totally certain, but his buddy what? was a CIA agent. <laughs> That's a whole different thing to get into. I don't. We don't have the time. We don't have the time for that one. Oh, uh, dude, that is a bag of worms that you just end me with. I we I didn't have time to unpack that. So uh, this this former CIA agent says that Malachi was killed by demons, right? So at the time of his death. Malachi was performing an exorcism on a four-year-old girl in Connecticut, and the demon was speaking directly to the father and actively taunting him. And then uh, Malachi Martin died soon after when he returned home, and his friend says that Martin was pushed down the stairs by an invisible force, blaming the demonic possession that followed him home. What was he doing for the CIA? <laughs> I shouldn't have brought that up. 
Dude, <laughs> no one knows. He he claimed that he worked for the Vatican uh, and that he uh, was part of some super secret intelligence task force that was bringing the Catholic Church behind the Iron Curtain during the Cold War. So it could have had tie-ins there if he was actually going to Russia. Maybe the CIA had had, had him on their payroll for that oh, or something of that nature. my gosh. We're going to have to do a whole episode unpacking that. Dude. There's there's a whole bio of Father Malachi Martin that I couldn't get to with this episode. Uh, any comment on him being murdered by a demon, Chris? Uh, no, he was murdered by the CIA. <laughs> That's another, that is a conspiracy theory. He was, was murdered the by him? the, yeah, his CIA agent buddy said a demon pushed him down the stairs, a.k.a. he did who works for a demon called CIA Moloch, dude. Now, counterpoint, though, could have just been an old man that fell down the stairs. That's also a possibility. Could have happened. That could have totally, happened. That totally could be the answer as well. But who really knows? Don't like uh, that one, though. Not a great answer. Not a great answer. Definitely killed by the CIA or possibly by the Vatican. Yeah, that that one came out a bit later. A lot of these uh, CIA ones. There's been a couple callers uh, to Art as well that it was like, hey, you know, uh, Malachi Martin was killed by the CIA, right? And then Art gets really mad at them because right. he really liked Malachi. Yeah. So that was our Malachi Martin 1996 episode, Chris. I can't believe we finally did it. We dude. finally did it. We finally did it. It we was so it. good. It was so he was so good. Scale of one to five uh, demonically possessed children. What do you give this one? Easy, easy for demonically possessed children. Nice, man. Easy I, for, dude. Yeah. I loved Father Malachi. Really loved some of his ideas. Definitely going to, you know, like I said, going to throw a little bit into the head cannon, dude. I loved it. He had some good stuff. He had some good lore, some good demon lore. And there's a lot we didn't even get to get to, man. It, it I was know. A there's got to be so much. It there's was got to be so this is a this is an educated man. He goes back mm -hmm. to the the old texts. Yep. To to get his lore. And that's where the best lore comes from, dude. Like he first told us when he was studying the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Gnostic Gospels in Egypt, dude. This man is in touch with ancient knowledge. No doubt about that. That sounds like its own movie, honestly. Like no study. doubt about that. Yeah. It's an so exorcist good. in Egypt. Oh yeah. More on that. Yeah, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it four as well. Uh he he's got some thick lore that I really enjoyed listening to. Don't know if I really believe in demons is the only problem, but I love the idea of it. And I love I'm, how much he loves it. I'm loving the idea of like the exorcist being able to cast out maladies. <laughs> yeah. I'm really playing with that idea a lot. I'm liking that because that's an interesting it's an interesting play on jesus yeah that yeah. he wasn't healing people he was exercising people yeah and i i think that's probably one of the pieces that the church would have gotten mad at him about because i don't think they really like doing thousands of exorcisms a year i think right. that they're like one exorcism a year is kind of where we go now right. uh, when it comes to like right. a certain uh what, what the hell do they call them um like regions, like the regions of the church parishes. Uh, yeah. Like something like that. So, uh, I, I, my guess is I'm not Catholic. I don't know. My guess is they probably wouldn't like him going on air and saying this kind of stuff, but he yeah. no longer worked for them. Really? He left. Right. 
Right. He was gone by this point. Yeah, he was gone. He just had a special dispensation to keep exercising. So he could keep exercising and running around with CIA agents. I I don't know exactly what was happening with him in the CIA. I'm just going to say I've never started a conversation with my buddy who's in the CIA. Never. Not one. I don't not have one, one time have I said that. Not, I don't have one buddy in the CIA. Yeah. And I don't know anyone well enough that if there's a documentary about me that they would be interviewed. Right. You know what I mean? And they 100%. were 100%. 100%. So watch out for spook priests. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're they're crawling. Much like demonic the possessions. Yeah, we're surrounded. Like demonic possessions. All right, Paul. I think that's it for us. That'll be it. Uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, or recommendations, send them to c2cpmpod at gmail.com. Check the show notes for that email address. We really appreciate you all listening. Uh, and we'll see you next week for the wrap-up of Spooktober. All spooky, all the time. Later.